so appreciate our leaders uh, of our Wednesday night classes. They do an amazing job. The only way that we can uh, continue to see the amount of people that we have in our church uh, continue to grow is um, we've got to have a lot of groups, and so we're glad that, that we have all of those teachers that are doing a great job. Please come and join them in, uh, in one of the many classes on Wednesday nights to continue to grow in your faith. Why don't you pray with me this morning as we look to God's Word. Heavenly Father, we magnify you today. God, we pray that your message would be clear this morning, that the clarity of your heart would be transferred and transplanted into our hearts so that we could have clear hearts as well. God, that you would use your word to speak um, just very strongly to our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I know that sometimes... um, Sometimes you guys are, I know that, that when you get hungry at noon, and we're probably going to go past noon a little bit today because of all the things that we did, uh, you know, some of you are probably thinking about lunch and different things like that. So I decided this morning that we were going to talk about something totally different. Rather than talk about, you know, um, just a bunch of religious things, we're actually, I'm going to teach you how to, um, how to earn a million dollars, okay? So how's that sound? Everybody excited about that? Okay. Uh, I, I, could, I could go back and we could just read the Bible if you want. That's fine. But um, no, honestly, I'll, I'll teach you how to make a million dollars. The 20th century uh, writer, Kurt uh, Von Gutt, was considered a masterful storyteller. He once said that the most popular storyline in the West went something like this. If you're listening via the, uh, the internet this morning, I'm drawing an inverted or an upside-down bell curve is what I'm doing. Um, and uh, at, the, at the left-hand side of it, I'm writing good times, and then I'm writing bad times at the bottom. It's actually a linear thing, so that this is the start right here, and it goes this way, and this is the end. Okay? So that's our diagram for this morning. This is how you make a million dollars. Every time it's retold, someone makes another million dollars. You're welcome to it, Von Gutt said with a smile. This diagram is the diagram of a good story. This is what it looks like. If you ever heard a good story, you, uh, you'll end up seeing this in action. So, you start with good times. Something happens, you end up plunged into bad times. Bad times end up, something happens amazing here, ends up going back into good times, the end of the story, and everybody lives happily ever after. I'll give you an example. Once there was a young girl, and this young girl was having a good time with her wonderful family, and her mother died, which plunged her down into bad times. In fact, it was such a bad time that her dad remarried a wicked stepmother. The wicked stepmother had two wicked stepsisters that became a part of this young lady's life. They would make her cook and clean. They would make her be the slave of the family. She was basically a slave in her own home. In fact, she would cook and clean all of the time. She had to clean the fireplace. And when she would clean the fireplace, all of the soot and the cinders would fall on her. And they called her... Oh, very good. You guys are great, you see. Cinderella, she, there was a wonderful thing that happened. The prince wanted to get married, and so he was going to have all of the available girls in the land come to this wonderful ball so he could dance with them and find the love of his life and one day marry her, and they would live 
Very good. You got this down. But there was something terrible that happened. Right about here in the story, as she found these rags and and spun them into this beautiful dress and made a homemade necklace and she was getting ready to go to the ball, her sisters mocked her and ridiculed her, said, you can't go to the ball like that. They took and they ripped her beautiful dress and they tore off her necklace and she was left crying at home as everyone went off to the ball. But then the fairy godmother showed up, bippity-boppity-boo, she looked uh, uh, beautiful, an incredible dress, she goes, dances with the prince, the prince falls in love with her at the last moment, he forgets to tell, she forgets to tell him her name, or give her her Facebook account, or whatever needed to happen there, and, and she ran out the door because the, the clock was getting ready to st- strike 12, but she left her glass slipper, and so the prince picked it up, said, go throughout the land, find the damsel that fits the glass slipper, and she will be my wife. They go, the ugly stepsisters, their feet had warts and stuff. They couldn't fit in the glass slipper. It was ugly. They finally went, Cinderella sneaks down the steps. At the last moment as the man was leaving, he reaches down. Her fit, foot fits perfectly. She meets the prince. They fall in love. It gets to the good times and they live happily ever after. All right. Six, <clears throat> Star Wars grossed. $600 million at the box office. There are three people in the room today. Number one, you've seen Star Wars. Number two, you're going to see Star Wars, and this is going to be a spoiler alert for you, okay, right here. And number three, you're saying, Star what? And so, okay. All right, so here's the story of Star Wars here real quick. I better get my notes. Flip, flip my page. If, if you haven't seen it yet, you still want to see it, close your ears, but I'm not going to divulge too much information, so it won't be, okay? So there's this little girl. She gets in a bad situation, plunges her into bad times. She stays in the bad times for a long time. She fights the bad guy right about here, okay? Then she ends up on this island face-to-face with the hero of the universe who is going to save the day and everyone's going to live. Very good. That's, the, that's it. Six, 600 million at the box office. Piece of cake, right? Okay, I hope I didn't divulge too much and ruin that for anyone that wants to see that. There's real-life examples of this, of the good story. Real-life example is Pebbles Thompson, which uh, Pastor Chad alluded to. Pebbles Thompson uh, was, was a young lady. Her and her husband were working at a church as youth pastors, and they felt like God was telling them to resign the position that they had. And then Pebbles, uh, in, that, in that time frame afterwards, she resigns wondering, what am I supposed to do with my life? And she begins to get a deep feeling inside of her heart that she is supposed to help these children of abuse that are going to child advocacy centers. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. And as they, um, they wanted to give these bags of hope to, to these children that were going through child advocacy centers, and we'll talk about this a little bit more next week and, and help the project the, the following week. But, but basically, Pebbles here is, is plunged into times of unknowing. She doesn't know exactly what her life is going to consist of, but she has this burden deep on her heart, what is going to happen, and she begins to um, get to the place where they're financially strapped, but they're using their grocery money so that they can build these bags of hope for children who are being abused on their kitchen table. They're packing these things as, as a family, because they have such a burden to see God touch these children at such a vital time in their life, and, and so they, they basically are, are 
Pebble's husband, Darren, is saying, honey, you're going to have to stop thinking about all of these things because we're going to run out of money. This, is, this isn't going to happen. And, and then all of a sudden, some things started happening. Other people began to understand her ministry and what was going on and what God was wanting to do uh, with that. Churches began to come alongside her. Actually, nationally, they're becoming known uh, throughout the nation now. She's had a lot of publicity, a lot of press in order to, to see God use this ministry in a powerful way. Uh, they're, they're heading into some incredible times now. Someone donated them a large chunk of money so they could purchase an old school, which is actually their warehouse now for Project Ignite Light. God is using it to literally impact thousands and thousands of children who have gone through the darkness of abuse, believing that through these bags of hope that God can stop the chain of abuse in our nation and it can turn it around and see the transformation of the next generation through Project Ignite Light. And the story, we believe, can be happily ever after for these kids. Okay, we see that this, this example uh, is, is, a, is a true example. You know, there's examples in Scripture of this good story. Think about a guy named uh, Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. He was a short man. He was probably bullied when he was a little kid. Um, We understand that because we can kind of think that because he actually, after when he was young, when he grew up, he started serving the Roman government and actually using them to extract taxes from his own people, the Jews, and when he would do this is he would take money and he would cut extra portions for himself. So he was actually using the strength of the Roman government to rob his own people. The people hated these kind of people. They were called tax collectors. Many of them were referenced just as straight sinners. And, uh, you know, Zacchaeus, though he was a short man and bullied and people looked down on him when he was young, when he got older, things went, were, were going pretty good. Things were going good. He was rich. He was extracting a lot of wealth. And, and he was... He was really living high on the hog, but basically he got to a place in his life where he began to sense this emptiness and a need for something other than wealth. He didn't know what it was, but he came to realize that when people began to talk about this man named Jesus, other tax collectors and friends of his had had experienced an acceptance like no one else had given them, and Jesus would come and eat with them, and he was a teacher of of religious things, and, and Zacchaeus had a wondering, a sensation in his heart that he wanted to get to know Jesus. One day he heard that Jesus was walking down the road. He began to look for Jesus and the people uh, were, were lining the streets so that Zacchaeus couldn't even get a look at him like a big parade. So Zacchaeus ran in front of the parade and climbed up a tree and he looked down at Jesus. As Jesus was walking past Zacchaeus, he stopped and he looked up at Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus, he called him by name. He said, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house today, which was a great honor in those days. For Jesus to come to your house was a great honor. And so Zacchaeus came down from the tree, went home with Jesus. Jesus spoke into his life. There was a radical transformation. Zacchaeus said, all of the people that I've stolen from, I will return the money. I'm going to serve God the rest of my life. And something eternal happened. And his forever story was happily ever after in the aspect of eternity because he met Jesus face to face. Think about in uh, the story of Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter 9. Saul was at the top of his game. He was religious leader of the Pharisees. He went around destroying people who were trying to water down um, the Old Testament law and the prophets. In fact, they were following this man named Jesus Christ. They were Christians. 
And Saul did everything he possibly could to crush the followers of the way, they were called, to crush this Christian uh, group of people that were breaking out around uh, that society in that time. And so Paul began, or Saul, his name was at that time, began to bring people back to, in chains. He began to destroy people. And in fact, in one place, uh, he holds the jackets of all the men that are stoning Stephen, a Christian in the early church, and he was giving approval of his death. That was who this man was. Now, Saul was at the top of his game. There were good things, good times. He was squelching this religion that was breaking out and stealing people from um, basically the, the law and the prophets way of life there and uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then on a road to Damascus as Saul was going to destroy these people, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ in a personal way. The Bible says that he, uh, there was a great light and a sound from heaven. Many of the men couldn't distinguish the voice, but some, believe, or some uh, say that it sounded like thunder, but Saul could hear the voice. It was the voice of Jesus Christ, and he called out in his name. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul met Jesus face to face, and his life was transformed. At that moment, he, uh, he ended up blind, and <clears throat> excuse me, he was blind. He ended up going to a place, and um, God spoke to another man named Ananias to go and pray for him that he would receive his sight. And Ananias laid hands on Saul at that moment, and he received his sight. From that point on, things were looking good. Swung back up the pendulum all the way up to the place where Paul, or his name was Saul, he was, it was changed to Paul. He began to turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. He spent time in jail, which gave him plenty of time to write uh, most of the New Testament. He traveled and planted churches. He saw the gospel spread like wildfire. He died a hero of the faith happily ever after. The greatest story in history follows this form. There's a man named Jesus Christ. He was a good teacher, but he was more than that. He was a good teacher, and multitudes flocked around him to listen to the words of life that he would speak. They would, he would talk, and, 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 and multitudes upon multitudes, thousands and thousands of people would gather around to hear those words. He had, he had disciples and people that followed him. He was, he was of great rapport and there were many people that wanted to hear from him. But then something happened. The same Sadducees and Pharisees that Paul or, Paul or Saul was associated with came and destroyed uh, Jesus. They took him from the good times of everyone listening to everyone betraying him, including his own closest 12 disciples, running in fear away from him. He was beaten and mocked uh, in, in a square where everyone could see. He was put on a cross. His beard was plucked out. He was put a crown of thorns upon his head. The Bible says that, in fact, the only way that you could recognize him was a sign above this cross that said, King of the Jews, and the, the crown of thorns upon his head because he was unrecognizable. We learned that in Sunday school this morning. He was disfigured in such a way. And that was the story of Jesus the other thieves on the cross, their storyline ended here, but not Jesus. The Bible says he was taken down, he was put in, in a grave, and three days later, the stone rolled away and Jesus came out of that. And now he is eternally sat at the right hand of the Father, uh, waiting for the moment that he will come back and return for his church, much like Pastor uh, Hector shared about Revelation. That is 
the good story. Well, actually, it's more than the good story. You see, guys, what you have to understand is this picture is not just the picture of a good story. This is the picture of a God story. And every person in this room has a God story. Every single person. You see, I would say that a God story is broken down into four different areas. A, B, C, and D. In fact, some people have multiple God stories throughout their lives. Where are you at on the God story? Where are you right now in your life? Every person in this room. Are you at A, where you got good times and things are rolling just right and everything is great and wonderful and, and it's just, let's just stick, stick here. You'd like to connect this line all the way across here and live happily ever after type thing. Are you at B, where maybe you've just received news where things are going to get difficult or maybe you have been confronted with a difficult situation where um, maybe you just, the divorce papers just went through or Maybe um, you've just lost your job or something like that, and you're really wondering what is going to happen. You know what? Maybe you've been at B for quite some time, and you're at C, and you're waiting for the moment, and you can see that there is a breakthrough. It has to happen. It's got to be somewhere soon. It's got to be. God has to come through in a powerful way. Maybe you're at D right now. I don't know where you're at personally but you know what? There is one factor that you need to know about this God story. Is that the determination of how this ends up has a lot to do with you. It has a lot to do with you. You see, you can't just ride this thing out and hope for the best and just have the Cinderella project every single time. There's actually a story in the Bible in Numbers chapter 13 Numbers chapter 13 and 14, and that's where we're going to be this morning. If you want to take your Bibles and turn there, we're just going to be there for just a couple minutes. But in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, there is a story of the God story that happens, but it looks very different than what's depicted on this whiteboard here. Because some people made some choices that negated the God story. And I really believe that the message that God has for each of us today is that whether you're at A, B, C, or D, regardless of where you're at, you need to be careful. You need to be careful. And we're going to read this and, and understand why right now. In, in uh, Numbers chapter 14, just open your Bibles to number 14. We're going to read verses 21 and 23 in just a moment. I have to give you the background of what's going on here. Moses, they were getting ready to enter the promised land and Moses took 12 spies and he sent them into the promised land to see how wonderful the land was so that they could come back and spy out the land. They went into the land, they came back with some incredible things. In fact, the Bible says that they brought back this cluster of grapes that was so big and so large that they had to put a pole between it and two men had to carry it. Two grown men had to carry this cluster of grapes. It was so wonderful. The spies came back and said, you guys would not believe the land. It is so absolutely incredible. It is, it is like D 
all day long, okay? It is amazing. This is the land that God's promised. It's flowing with milk and honey. There's beautiful things. The grapes, we're going to reap the benefits of all of these things when God gives us the land. But there's only one problem. And 10 of the spies said this to the people. The land is full of giants. The land's full of giants. Basically, they began to spread a report amongst God's people that the people in the promised land are unbeatable. We could never, we could never ever possess the promised land. They're unbeatable. They spread a bad report so much so that the people of Israel were swayed in such a way that they actually refused to go in. They refused to fight. They refused to move forward with the plan and the purpose that God has for them. Just a side note here, just letting you know, that when you're at sea here and you're believing God to do something, the enemy is going to come at you and he's going to tell you things. He's going to say, listen, you don't want to go there. You don't want to do that. God's not going to come through. He's going to lie to you. He's going to say things over and over to you. And he's going to try and spread a bad report in your heart. This is what happened to the people. They refused In fact, in Numbers 14.4, it says it got so bad that listen to what the people said. They said, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Whoa! Let's choose a new leader. Moses brought them through all of the plagues of Egypt. He crossed the, the Red Sea. They've seen the miraculous. They've seen incredible things. They said, listen, I think maybe we should put it to a vote. Let's just throw out Moses We'll get a new leader, and he could take us back across the Red Sea, back into slavery. Let's go there instead, because things got too difficult. Numbers 14, 21 through 23, it's on the screen this morning. It says this. <coughs> this is God speaking to Moses. We need to back up for just a second here. That wasn't all the spies. There were 10 spies that spread a negative report, and the people said, let's go back to Egypt. But there were two men. In fact, the Bible says they tore their robes, which meant that they were in absolute agony, and they were trying to get people's attention. They tore their robes, Caleb and Joshua, and they said, listen, don't rebel against God. Don't be afraid. Trust God. Trust God, not the situation that surrounds you, but trust God. God. They went to the people begging them, grabbing their shirts and shaking them, saying, you need to trust God. Don't, don't bail out on God right now. He's brought you this far. You need to trust God. He can do it. He can beat the giants. He can beat all of the people in the promised land, and we're going to inherit the incredible land. So God spoke to Moses in Numbers fourteen twenty one. But as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory... Not one of these people will ever enter the land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. This is the line of those people of Israel. 
They had the opportunity of a lifetime, but they died in the wilderness for one specific reason. They didn't trust God. They didn't trust God when the things were the most difficult, when they were at B and they were at C, and God said, I want to take you to D. They didn't trust him enough to do whatever he asked them to do. They had rebellious hearts towards God, and they were disobedient to what God wanted them to do. But the Bible says that there were two people who did obey. They were Caleb and Joshua. You see, guys, the disobedience and the lack of trust caused God's people to not fulfill their potential or their destiny. They knew that God had the power to accomplish it, yet they refused to listen. So here's the thing, before we get to Caleb and Joshua, I think that when we are at these places of B and C, and we've all been there, when we get to the places of B and C, don't die in the wilderness. Don't die in the wilderness. That's the time when you need to place your full and utmost trust and faith in God, even when you can't see through what's happening next, even when you think that it is absolutely impossible, when you're facing the most incredible opposition or odds, at that point is the time where you have to say, listen, I have to trust God because the consequences are very, very severe. But there is good news. Caleb was one of the spies that did trust God. And he was described this way, if we read on in that chapter, Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. And we're going to see some positive aspects of him right here. In Numbers 14, 24, it says this. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me. So I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of the land. He had a different attitude than the other people had. You see, guys, your attitude gets wretched right around sea. And Caleb's attitude continued to stay faithful and trusting to Almighty God. He continued to trust him. He remained loyal to God no matter what. And because he, the Bible says, because he trusted me and he was faithful to me, I will bring him through. I will see him to the promised land and his descendants will possess it. So here's the thing, guys. What is the determining factor then here in God's story? The determining factor of A, B, C, and D. The determining factor of moving this way when you're at C is these two things. Number one, it's attitude and loyalty. And if I could put it very simply, it's your attitude and belief in God and your trust that he is good. Do you remember the word that was spoken this morning? I am for you and not against you. A lot of times people get to see and they think that God's against them. I've been in the desert so long and God doesn't even know where I live anymore. 
Watford City, North Dakota. I can't even get a post office box. How is God going to find me? Can I tell you this morning, guys, I really believe that God is speaking to someone in this room, if not everyone, that God is asking you to evaluate your attitude today, right now, wherever you're at, A, B, C, or D, on the, on the position of God's story in your life, what is your attitude like? And do you trust him wherever you're at? This morning, I'd like us to just close our eyes and, and just do a check in those two areas real quick. I'm not gonna have anyone respond or raise your hand or anything like that, but I just want you to begin to, to focus on your own heart and your, the attention of, of what God wants to do in your life. Maybe you're here and you're faced with the bottom of the curve. You're at B or C. You're in a difficult time. The Holy Spirit is challenging you right now. He's asking you to begin to hand over your bad attitude and the, and the things that, that you're continuing to allow to poison your heart. All of the things that you keep dwelling on, the worry, the anxiety, the fear, the hatred, You hand over your attitude to him. Lord Jesus, would you cleanse my heart? Would you cleanse my attitude today? Would you change me so that I would be undivided in my loyalties to you? Whatever you're facing, wherever you're at, maybe you've come to a place where you're near the bottom of the curve today and you would say, God, I, I'm struggling with trusting you today. And God is saying to you in this moment right now, just like he did to the children of Israel, trust me, I have a greater plan and a purpose than you could ever imagine. Just trust me. Would you once again, in your own heart of hearts, would you once again just surrender fully and wholly to God's plan, his purposes, and his desires for your life? That you would say, God, I trust you. Even though the situation seems dim and difficult and dark, God, I trust you. I trust you. You see, guys, there's two ends of the story. You either Deny God, rebel against his desires, and you end up dying in the desert. I know that sounds really tough, but it's true. But there is a second choice. That you can trust God. You can renew your faith. You can allow God to change your attitude. And you can see the power of God evident in your life. And you know what? You might be facing a situation today and there are people around the globe today that will face this similar situation where your hopelessness, it feels as though you will never get out of this situation. You feel like I'm gonna die in the desert but the reality of it is is that even if you die in your current situation, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, your D is found on the other side of your last breath. And that is where you will meet Jesus face to face. And that is when the true 
happily ever after happens. There are people today that will give up their life for their faith in Jesus Christ today around the world and their D is found in Jesus Christ. Guys, this morning I just want to pray a blessing over you for 2016. I believe that God is, is wanting to do his story in your life. If you'll just have a great attitude, if you'll just allow him and trust him to do the things that he wants to do, would you bow your heads with me and we'll pray together. Lord Jesus, right now we just come before you today, God, and we're asking that, that your story would take over our lives that it wouldn't be about us trying to accomplish the things that we would want, but God, that as you are directing, as you are guiding, as you are bringing hope into our situations, God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help our attitudes, Lord, to, to show that we love you, that we, that we are concerned about you and concerned about others, that our attitude would be good, much like Caleb's, God. We pray, Lord Jesus, that that we would have the right kind of attitude towards the situations that we face on a continual basis. God, I'm praying, Lord Jesus, that you you would come, God, in a powerful way, and that you would rescue people in certain situations, God. That, Father, you would step in, that we would trust you, despite the situation or circumstance that we face on an ongoing basis, regardless of what it is. God, we trust you. We put our hope in you. We put our faith in you. We put our belief that you are a good God and that you love us and that you will continue the things that you've started. God, we ask that you would continue the things that you started in 2016, in our congregation, in our community in the people's lives around us. God, just being confident in this that he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And we receive that blessing in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you guys. Hey, remember your attitude and your trust in God. It's gonna take you A, B, C, and D. Lord bless you guys. Have a great week.